All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I'm Jake. And I'm Jose, and this is the J&J MMA podcast. All right, guys, it's been a moment since we've been able to do one of these. Moving season has been pretty crazy, so we've finally, and also on top of that, Jake has been getting ready for a fight, which he just had last Saturday, and we're going to recap that, so that's why we, we had to make time to shoot this one for sure probably do another one here more regularly but with moving season and with the fight it there's been no time to do any of this but it's starting to slow down <coughs> so we're gonna for sure recap jake's fight i'm gonna let jake do most of the talking of it about it because obviously he was there he can tell you everything leading up to it or whatever i got it queued up right now i'm just playing it in the background but yeah go ahead jake let them know about it yep uh yeah and like jose said uh every year july august well we get smashed by the moving season uh every year we just get busier and busier so like right now we've been working pretty much monday through sunday like two, three, four jobs a day. Um, and it'll probably be like this till the end of August at least. Um, but we're used to it. You know, we like the grind. We like making the money over the summer. Um, but yeah, so this last Saturday, uh, I had an MMA fight, uh, 160 pounds. Uh, my opponent, Dontrell Johnson, he, uh, he's a fighter from Illinois. Uh, he's from a good gym, Delo Rosa Submission Wrestling Academy. They had about five fighters on the card. All other guys looked really good. Uh, I didn't know anything about him coming into the fight. The only thing that I knew or, uh, you know, they texted me and they told me he had a long wrestling background. Um, so that was pretty much the only thing I knew about him. This was this guy's debut fight, so there was no footage or anything. Uh, a couple of wrestling matches on YouTube, but other than that, uh, it was pretty much going into a fight, and I didn't really know what to expect. I was thinking that he was a wrestler, so I was prepared for that. <clears throat> um, but, yeah, in the first round, he actually came out uh, trying to strike with me, so I had to kind of change my game plan in the first and second round because I was expecting him to come out and try and wrestle me. Um, but, yeah, that's the crazy thing about MMA is there's so many things going on. So you have to be prepared for anything because, you know, each fighter is different. Each fight's different. you got to be prepared for whatever comes. Yeah, and uh, a detail we should point out is that you had agreed to do this fight at 160 pounds, right? And they they messed up on the weight. I'm seeing that it says 161.7 for you and 155 for him. Yep, so our fight was scheduled at 160 with a one-pound allowance. Um, so, you know, I left my I left the gym at 161 pounds, got to the weigh-ins. I was still wearing my shorts, and uh, we were kind of like in a public venue. Like, we were in a bar. There's a bunch of people, like, in the venue watching us weigh in. So I couldn't really pull my shorts off with everybody there. So 161.7 with the shorts. Um, but, but, yes, I made weight on the one-pound allowance. I think he weighed in at 160, so we were the same weight. You know, I was one pound over. I was one pound heavier than him. We were the exact same weight. But then, for some reason, on fight night, uh, the commentators and announcers like had on their sheet or the way they're announcing it, they said the fight was at 155. Um, so there was some confusion there. They, they thought we were at 155 for some reason. So they kept repeatedly bringing up the fact that I missed weight by like six pounds when I didn't. So that was kind of annoying. Um, but you know, it's all right. Uh, just a small mistake. Other than that, um, that, was, that seemed to be the only issue with the fight, I think. 
Yeah, and this was really cool that it was on pay-per-view because I was not able to make it, but I I have an awesome view of this fight. It was great production. This this is going to this is going to probably end up taking off pretty soon because Iowa needed something legit like this organization because there was someone really special in the audience that that night. Yep, yeah, Nate Diaz, uh the legend himself. He was actually in attendance at the fight card. The, uh, he had three of their fighters from the Nick Diaz Academy fighting on the card. All his guys did really well. Um, so it was cool. You know, we were in the back warming up. Nate Diaz was in the back warming up his fighters. You know, I got to interact with him, kind of watch how he was warming up his fighters, how they were interacting. And it was a cool experience, you know, and just like, you know, just to see somebody at his level and and just be around him was was a treat in itself. Yeah, um, I think that fight's probably going to be available. All these fights might be available on YouTube eventually. Um, the reason I have it is I bought the pay-per-view, so I'm able to queue it up right now. And just to recap the fight as it's happening right now, I see that it's first standing, uh, it's on the feet. You guys are kind of feeling each other out through a kick. You're on your back, and he's he's looking to get in. He's looking to get past your uh, your guard there. He's just kicking your legs right now. Yep. <clears throat> so, yeah, he was kind of like, you know, that classic tie kick to the legs when somebody is on the ground. It seemed like he was very hesitant to, to come into my guard at all. He, yep. he seemed very – he did not want to come to the ground at all. So I think, you know, it did throw me off because the whole entire camp, you know, I'm getting ready to fight a wrestler. We're preparing for somebody who's trying to wrestle me. And then when we walked out to the cage, my coach – Josh, he told me, he was like, hey, he's standing out there in a tie stance. I think he's going to try and strike with you. So then first round, you know, we were kind of feeling it out, and then it became very obvious that he did not want anything to do with any kind of grappling with me. He was trying to keep it on the feet and win that way. So the whole first round, you know, I'm trying to make adjustments. I was trying to lure him in to either shoot in on me or or bring the fight to the ground, but he didn't want to have anything to do with that. So, you know, he, he, he had fast hands, really quick hands, good boxing. I think... You know, for the most part on the feet, I blocked most of his shots. You know, he, he never really hit me with anything super hard. Um, I took all of his shots well. I was covering up, blocked them all. And I actually felt really, really good <clears throat> after that first round, despite, like, what the commentators were saying. They they were saying I, I looked tired or et cetera. But I actually went into my corner and after that first round feeling really good because I felt like he threw a lot of his good shots and they didn't really phase me at all. And and then I was ready to come back for the second round and try to get some grappling in there. Yeah, I see that when you were on the ground, he gave you maybe one or two kicks to your thigh while you were on your back, and immediately he didn't want any of that, so he let you get back up. You threw a really good outside leg kick after that. Another one, he's got you up against the cage a little bit, but you have a high guard. That's something that I noticed that I mentioned to you, that your guard was really on point. Even the times that it looked like you were getting hit, your guard was up, you were blocking everything, you're defending everything when, when you were up on your feet. You had your hands up the whole time protecting yourself. Um, when you were on your back and he was trying to get past your guard and do some ground and pound, you had your, your hands up too. You were defending a lot of it. Yep, and uh, yeah, it, 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 was, it was a great fight, you know. Um, and, uh, yeah, like I said, he, he really didn't want anything to do with me on the ground. So I was starting to get kind of creative. You know, I was trying to 
like use my hooks as like a butterfly guard to like trap one of his legs and pull him down to the ground. And the second round, I was actually able to hook his legs, off balance him, and then come up to a single leg um, and get in on a heel hook entry. Um, but yeah, I mean, his boxing was really good. I do, I, I was landing a lot of leg kicks, inside mm -hmm. leg kick. Every time he would switch to southpaw, I would land an inside leg kick, and then he would switch right back to orthodox. Um, I hit him with a couple counter punches. There was moments where I could see, like, the opening for me to, to throw, like, a good counter combo, and I kind of just hesitated a little bit. You know, I, I didn't, I wasn't really able to let my hands fly on the feet like I wanted to. Um, but that's okay, you know, just um, I'll be working on that in the gym before my next fight. <clears throat> and next fight, I'll, I'll really let my hands fly on the feet. Um, but, yeah, and then uh, second round, um, yeah, we came out, same thing. Uh, I scrambled to the single leg. I was able to get in, almost took his back, and then I actually ended up going for a heel hook. And, uh, of course, the danger with a heel hook in an MMA fight is you kind of put yourself in a bad position to to get ground and pounded. So, you know, I almost had his heel, and then he did really good. He, you know, he stepped over, he put the pressure down, and he, he shut down the heel hook really well, and then he started kind of um, unloading with the ground and pound. And I blocked, you know, he, he got me a couple times, but for the most part, I, I blocked um, all of his shots, and I think he actually gassed himself out trying to finish me right there, and I could feel it, you know, like... Um, you, you kind of know, like when you're training or going with somebody, you can feel like when they exert a lot of energy. And after that, I knew, you know, and then at the end of the round, I took his back. There was only like 20 seconds left and he was kind of grabbing my glove. So there was really no like chance for me to, to lock on that rear naked. Uh, but I knew after that second round and I looked across the cage and I could see him hanging on his coaches and he was exhausted. The commentators couldn't see it, but I knew that he was done after that second round. So that third round, I was coming to put it on him. He was doing that even after <clears throat> the first round, I just noticed. Yep. He, uh, his, his cardio definitely was not as good as mine. I don't, I'm not sure why the commentators weren't able to see it. Um, but when I was in there with him, I knew, like, yeah, at the end of that second round, he, he exploded all of his energy. He used everything. And, uh, and in that third round, he was on survival mode the whole entire round. Yeah, and he didn't really dominate the first round. I wouldn't say that that was like a shutout. It was. I thought it was like I thought he edged it out maybe, but I thought it was pretty close. You know, he yeah. neither one of us really like uh, did a lot of damage or mm -hmm. anything. You know, it was it was it was almost like a feeling out round to be honest. Yeah, and I guess if you want to be fair, you give it to him by one point. But um, the second round, it was only a minute of him getting anything in really, and then after that. Well, you're on your back on uh, w at the two-minute mark, so it's been one minute looking for that uh, heel. He he gets he gets your neck here. Nope, he's not going for it. Oh, you had him in a crucifix there, sort of, like a leg crucifix. Yeah, and <laughs> nice. that's what I used to, to get in on that heel hook. Nice. Yeah, um, so, I mean, the second round with the submission attempts that you had, especially the position at the end, I would say that was your round, and then the third round was total shutout you. Like, you had that whole round all to yourself. Yeah, and I, I guess it just depends on, like, how you're scoring that second round because if you're just watching it, you know, he he was just unloading the ground and pound when I went for that heel hook. So, you know, if you're, 
if you're a judge looking at striking, you know, you probably see that as a good moment for him. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, at the same time, I took his back, body triangle, I'm throwing punches, looking for a rear naked. Um, that was a dangerous spot for him. I do believe, you know, if I had more time, I don't think he was going to get out of that back take because that's one of my best spots with the body triangle. And I think it was only a matter of time before I finished that. And that, that did give me a lot of confidence going into that third round. And like I said, I knew that he was done. I could feel that he, you know, he, he was done. He had nothing left to offer after that second round. Yeah, there was only a few moments where it looked flashier than it actually was, like, like damaging for you. Um, just when he's on top, that, in that second round, when you're actually go, you're defending really well, He's basically just holding on. He threw a few good body shots, but then you took the back from the bottom, and then you had that rear naked choke. You were working that for like the last 20 seconds of that whole round, and you're throwing legit strikes. So yeah, with that body triangle, the strikes, I feel like that was the biggest action as far as like real finishing. The ground and pound that he was doing, um, it was, like I said, you were defending everything. You were you kept moving. You were never really in a position where those looked like a potential TKO. Mm -hmm. um, luckily, the ref saw it that way too, because that could be dangerous. Um, I, I kind of have been making a big deal about it. Maybe it's not that big of a deal. Maybe he should have got a warning. But he did grab the cage in the third round, and I did bring it up. And um, we, we've talked about you brought it up too that um, you posted about it a few more seconds and that fight was yours well when you were trying to take him down he held on to the cage for about that much time and if you had that much time at the end of the fight because two to three seconds after when you get someone down that much longer on the ground mm -hmm. that that's a lot of time to work with especially in the position that you totally ended that fight in two to three more seconds it was either going to be hyperextended or he was going to have to tap yep yeah, and that, that arm bar <clears throat> I had at the end was extremely tight. Like, it, it was so tight. And, like, the thing about MMA is uh, you have to wear a cup when you compete. And in jiu-jitsu, you're not allowed to wear a cup because it's actually, like, an advantage if you're going for, you know, like ch like a triangle choke or, like, an arm bar because that cup is, like, an extra fulcrum that, you know, is, you know. So I had, like, his elbow, like, right over the cup. <clears throat> and it was super tight. And then right as I flipped him over, um, it was fully extended, and uh, and then the bell went off. So I, I'm 100%. If there was two more, two or three more seconds, I was either gonna snap that arm or he was probably gonna tap out. I would imagine. But yeah, you got him down within 10, 15 seconds on that first round. It looks like like you're in a bad position, but be, you're comfortable on your back. So yep. I, that was probably a good part of the game plan. Is you use your jiu-jitsu, which is, it should be, you're a purple belt, that you should always be trying to take it to the ground. Obviously, you're evolving, you're working all the other stuff, and you already did two rounds of that, so it, like, you got it to the ground right away, and if you didn't know any better, it's like that he's in the dominant position, but really, he does yep. not want to be there, so you're actually in a dominant position, having him on the ground where you want him. Right, and uh, yeah, and I actually initiated that. Like I actually, you know, I pushed him up against the cage. I threw like a one-two, got him against the cage, uh, and I actually kind of went for like an outside trip. And I actually just kind of ended up falling back. And but I, you know, I, I, I'm the one that took the fight to the ground. I pulled him into my guard. I'm comfortable there. You know, I knew in this fight, like I was willing to go to my back first in order to get a submission because. 
you know, I, I just feel so comfortable on the ground and I have a hundred like full faith in my jujitsu and I know that I can submit anybody. So I knew, and then, um, you know, I, I pulled them to the ground and I wanted to look for a triangle choke and I went to set it up. Um, it, it was super close. He, he was really good at defending the submissions. I will give him that. He was slipping out of a lot of submissions. He was just able to keep his hand inside of the triangle and then uh, eventually he pushed his arm through. Uh, so he dodged that triangle really well. And then, um, you know, then after that we stood back up, uh, pushed him up against the cage again. Like I said, that whole entire third round, I was in there with him. He was done. He had not, I knew it. I knew he had nothing left to give and I was not going to stop until <clears throat> either that bell rang or I was going to get the finish. And yeah, he, he was trying to get out of your guard that whole time. And then, yeah, the, he let you stand up. He wasn't going to get in there, and right away, yep, right up against the cage, kept clenching with him. You had, a, looks like an over-under. No, you had both underhooks, sort of, yeah. And you're trying to do a leg sweep right there. Got him, yeah, you had the pressure on him at that point. And this is only like a minute and a half into the third round. You've been, that's where you held onto the cage. He's still holding on. Yeah, he got hit, he got slapped. That's about it. Not even like a warning, it looked like. But, I mean, maybe not that big of a deal, but still, that could have made a huge difference because yep. right away after that, you got him down. Mm -hmm. So if he wasn't holding on in that moment, for sure you had that takedown. I mean, whatever happens after that is whatever, but th that makes a huge difference sometimes like that. Yep, and then... Uh, then you're on top. He's got nothing. You're doing some ground and pound. You're just, like, heavy on his chest right now. He's got nothing. He's not. He he's not defending well. I mean, look. Oh, this is where you started going after that mounted triangle. That's nuts. He tried to get out of it, but you stayed on top. Almost had that mounted triangle, and then you you started doing some ground and pound there. He gets out the back, but then you spin. You still get the top position. You're in side control right now, and he's holding on for dear life right now. There's. There now you've got full mount again. You just passed like nothing. Yeah, a hundred percent. He was praying for that bell to go off. I could feel it. Fifteen seconds left. He's trying to throw his legs up. You're you're looking for that arm. You have it. He's doing everything right now. Kicking, holding on. He's grimacing. You you, you don't have it in a stretched out position, but then you start rolling here, and right as the bell rings, it's outstretched. Right as the uh, yeah. Half a second more, and he was either going to tap or he was going to pop really quick. Yep. <clears throat> and I do give him props because he lasted in that. That's a long time to be in that fully extended arm bar for, what, eight or ten seconds or however long it was because it mm -hmm. was tight. It was extended. He knew that the clock was short, and he risked it. You know, he, he definitely put his arm on the line to make it to the end of the round. So I do give him that. But 100%, if there was a few more seconds on that clock, I was taking that arm home with me. And, yeah, man, I just remember thinking in my head, like, man, like this arena is about to go nuts if I finish this submission here in the last, like, 10 seconds. And it, it was so close. Like, Did you know exactly how many seconds were left? Could you... Could you see it, or did Josh tell you there was 10 seconds left or something? Yeah, I think I remember hearing, like, the they'll, like, bang the, yeah. the edge of the cage mm -hmm. when there's 10 seconds left. So I heard that, like, right when I went for it. So I knew it was, like, 10 seconds. But then after that, 
you know, it, it, in the moment, you know, you re there's you can't see the clock or anything. So I was just, you know, keeping it extended and then just really trying to finish it. I was initially trying to finish it just belly down, and then he wasn't tapping. So I was like, okay, let me just flip him over real quick, and then for sure mm -hmm. I can finish this. And then right as I flipped him over, then the bell went off. But, um, you know, there, there was more after that coming. Even if I didn't, even if for some, you know, miracle I didn't finish that arm bar, mm -hmm. like I, I had a, a good two more rounds at least left in me I, I felt really good my my cardio felt great I was ready to go so there was definitely more coming behind that attack yeah it was it was a great fight you guys got fight of the night so that was pretty sweet yep yeah fight of the night <clears throat> uh yeah that, that's awesome honestly like uh just getting an award like that you know um there was like 15 fights on the card four or five pro fights and uh you know, for us to get the fight of the night, it felt really special to to get that award on the night. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, props to him. You know, he was he was a good opponent. He was very athletic. He's from a really good gym. He had good boxing. Um, I could tell he he's been putting in a lot of work. He's a good good opponent. You know, um, so you know it takes two of us to make the fight of the night. So definitely um, respect to him and his team as well. Um, you know, but yeah, like I said, if there, if that was a longer fight or you no know, time limit or an, another round, another minute, I do believe I was going to finish that fight. Yeah, that, that would be sweet. Or e yeah, if they were five minute rounds or if it was five rounds, obviously most of the time it has to be main event or championship fight, but still that, that, that was a great learning lesson for you that you can go that far and you can still be because I mean a wrestler will wear you out pretty well. Mm -hmm. So the fact that you were able to go three rounds and you still had plenty more in you, and you you were learning as the fight was evolving because the first round you guys are kind of feeling each other out, learning from each other. Um, it was obvious that he he was looking to throw some heavy stuff and maybe get a takedown. But once he got the takedown. He didn't really want anything of your ground game, so then it turned into just kind of like trying to find some heavy stuff, whether it was like quick ground and pound, get out of there, or on the feet. But the second round, as it went on, yeah, that, that it was turning into your fight. Third round, totally yours. But yep. e either way, great learning lesson because, yeah, you got to push yourself. You got fight of the night. Um, you learned a lot as the fight was going on, so that's... It's great that it was a great fight regardless yeah and uh yeah like you said good experience um it felt good to go all three rounds um you know and you know I, i'm not really upset or anything uh mike the promoter said you know we we might end up running that one back he would like to see it again we'll see you know just like with the fight so close like that it would be cool to run it back and get like a definite um answer for the winner but um yeah great experience you know i'm uh, I think it really showed me like what I need to work on in the gym leading up to my next fight. Uh, I think I'm really going to dial in and focus on my boxing um, and and my wrestling a little bit. You know, I think I have really good kicks. Um, my kicks are good. My hands are getting way better in the gym. It's super close, you know, but I think if I just really dial in on my boxing up leading up to this next fight, like the next fight, people will see that uh, I'm not just a jujitsu guy. Yeah, and once again, awesome corner, awesome corner. 
Great corner. Yeah, uh, Josh and uh, Chris Dunn, shout out to those guys. Um, you know, you got love having them in the corner. Chris is very experienced as well. Um, so, yeah, it, it's awesome when you're, you know, you're in the back and, you know, it, it really makes a big difference to have your teammates, coaches, whoever they're just uh, supporting you, you know, because you're in the back, you're waiting, the nerves are high. You know, you're just feeling the pressure in the back, so it really helps out a lot to have those guys there. Something quick I want to add about it is um, when I bought the pay-per-view, uh, you would type in a fighter's code. So I think um, if if uh, if I understand correctly, maybe you get a little part of the pay-per-view because it it directly put your name your last name and then the the 11 because it was like north iowa fight night 11 or whatever so quite possibly if uh if the fighters weren't able to have some of their supporters there they were able to support them through pay-per-view points um based on that because that that's pretty cool that they're doing that i really hope this thing just keeps growing and growing because i think there's a lot of potential here in the midwest they need they need to be able to fight somewhere there's not too many other legit places where you can really grow as an MMA fighter if you want to evolve to the next bigger thing. It's either like the am like the smaller amateur ones or the big ones. So it's nice that they're starting to offer some legit real places, real venues. Um, you get paid well. They take care of you. It's 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 awesome. Yeah, and I think yeah, that's just huge. You know, even even if it was just like each fighter just made a little bit from the pay per view. You know, it it does it feels good. You know, even if it's just a little bit of money or whatever. You know, because we work so hard. You know, weeks, months leading up to it, and even if it's just you know a little cash or whatever for the pay-per-view guys um it's definitely it feels good you know and uh yeah mike he's just he's absolutely killing it with his promotion i mean easily the the best promotion in iowa by far that pay-per-view is outstanding like i couldn't even believe like re-watching the fight just the camera work and and the announcers and everything it was incredible and um yeah just i mean it was a worldwide pay-per-view i had like people messaging me on Instagram and Facebook, like telling me like good fight, like good job. And they were from like Virginia or like Ohio, just random places. And I had no idea who these people were. So it was cool to have like just random people that watch the pay-per-view, like message me and say, good job, you know? So that, that was pretty awesome. Oh, uh, I'll let you bring up anything else you want to bring up about it. But one that I want to bring up was the one directly after yours, Brandon, Sh uh, Scholler versus Lawrence Phillips. It was a super heavyweight fight. Yes. Holy crap. I hope. 285 pounds. Yep. 287, 284 pounds. These guys are super heavyweights. They, they were huge. I, I, I'm pretty sure this is going to end up on some highlights or something. I actually sent it to MMA on points extras. There's uh, something called Capose's Corner where they show a bunch of highlights of regional fighters that have some crazy finish. So I actually sent them this fight. Hopefully it makes some sort of like list like that. But yeah, they're young dudes, 29, 27, 6 one, 6 three, pretty big dudes, um, both 0 and 0. But I, what is it, like 10 seconds into the fight maybe? the um lawrence phil that's i think lawrence he picked up brandon and that's a lot of weight to attempt to pick up in any way like yes. we do moving that's that's a decent amount but he starts striking right away holds him 10 seconds 12 seconds picks him up body slams him like picks him up like the dude got some error like he that was crazy that was like, like wwe stuff like picked him up slammed him 
like Hulk Hogan picking up Andre the Giant or something, and then he gets on top, ground and pound. Within 30 seconds, the fight's over. It, it was insane. It was quick. The dude, the dude was up in the air. That's seriously, that's a lot of weight to pick up and throw up like that. Mm-hmm. That was insane. That was crazy. And I was in the back. I had just fought, so I was in the back, so I wasn't out there for it. But I'm sure, like that whole arena, probably heard that smack of just a. 285 pound dude just being slammed in that octagon like that was that was probably insane to hear live out there and uh one interesting thing about that fight is um not lawrence phillips brandon they said so he i think he he had some kind of uh arm military background he was like a national guard or army guy um but they said he he, like he wasn't from a gym or anything apparently he just kind of did at home training or etc and it seems to be a common pattern where these guys that come out and they get announced as like you know independent training or they train by themselves it never ends well for these guys you know and Mm -hmm. honestly i i give that guy props for even having the guts to even step out there into that cage and fight anybody who's really trained when, when he really didn't have proper training himself i mean that that's crazy to me that people will do that yeah i would never mess with anyone that actually knows what they're doing that's like dangerous especially if it's like a legit competition like this they're looking to knock you out they're looking to pick you up and slam you and yep. break your arm whatever it takes and Lawrence, he was from the same gym from the guy that I fought, the uh, De La Rosa gym. So that's a legit MMA gym, like probably one of the best gyms in Illinois. And that guy with no training, for whatever reason, thought that he could go in there and beat that guy. I'm not sure like what goes through these guys' heads when they do that. but Lesson learned. Yeah. Um, but yeah, crazy fight. And I didn't even know that there was a super heavyweight uh, like weight division. I thought it was just 265, but apparently... They made their own super heavyweight, 285 pounds. Yeah, I feel like it's just like a... I don't know if that's just an amateur thing or... It's almost, I would almost consider more like a catch weight that they're like, well, I don't really want to do 265. I'm not really about that. So if you just want to do super heavyweight, it's like heavyweights that just don't really want to cut. Yeah. It just, it doesn't seem like there's a legit super heavyweight like division. It just seems like the ones that don't want to make that weight, they don't want to go down all the way. It's just not necessary when you're that big and you're not really looking to, like, tone up or anything. Mm-hmm. Not that those guys weren't in shape, but it's, it's like you think you think of Francis Ngannou almost like a super heavyweight, but somehow he's not. He's, he's like, he can make weight. I think he's, like, 240, 250. I'm not sure. Francis? Yeah. Do, or does think- he max out? I think he hits 265 on the dot, <clears throat> but I think he, he he cuts down a little bit. I think I think he's like 285, 290 walking around, but that's solid, lean, like no <laughs> fat, no extra at all, just a, a specimen. Like speaking of that, hmm. his uh, title is sort of up for grabs, not really, but they're doing an interim title fight this weekend. That fight that we've brought up, yep. Cyril Gane and Francis, or not uh, Derek Lewis. And, that's a sick fight. And in Derek Lewis's backyard in Houston. So that's sweet that all these fights are happening again. And it, that's probably going to be a big hype crowd for the Black Beast. Yeah, right there in his hometown in Houston. And I'm sure 
the people of Houston probably love Derek Lewis. Like I'm yeah. a huge Derek Lewis fan. That guy's hilarious. Just yeah. like his whole style of fighting. He's very unique. Uh, cool dude. Like super yeah. cool. He's pretty much a superhero in Houston because I've seen videos of him helping out people after floods in Houston. Um, he also beat the crap out of some dude that tried to steal his car. Yes. I feel bad for anyone that messes with that dude because he's hurting big heavyweights in the UFC. What can he do to somebody that's trying to, like, steal from his truck that he loves? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know what that guy was thinking trying to steal Derek Lewis's truck. <laughs> yeah, that's not the dude to steal from. Man. and uh, But, yeah, Cyril Gane, that guy is uh, <clears throat> he he's really good. He's undefeated. He was undefeated Muay Thai. He's got extremely sharp uh, technical striking, but hits hard. Like, you know, that, that guy's going to be a problem. He, even if he loses to Derek Lewis, he, he's a problem in that division. And I could honestly see this fight going either way. You know, I could see Cyril just technically outdoing Derek Lewis, avoiding that right hand and, and just escaping with the decision. Um, but, you know, you always got to worry about that power shot of of Derek Lewis and and he'll bait you in you know it's almost like Derek will let you think that you're starting to take over and win the fight and then when you're least expecting it just this bomb just drops out of nowhere mm -hmm. he paces himself but he always has that power at even at the end of fights as we've seen like the best example is the Volkanovski fight I don't I don't think that one was five rounds but I, I know the uh, Nganu fight was five rounds, so he can do it. Obviously, that fight wasn't that exciting, but he he seems to always reserve the power only for, like, the biggest, heavy, sneaky shots that could end the fight. And he he had, like, ten seconds left in the fight against uh, or, uh, um, Alex Volkov. Not Volkanovsky. I think I said Volkanovsky, but Alex Volkov. Or Alexander Volkov. I can't think yeah, of Yeah, or, yeah. I think it's Alexander Volkov. Yeah, that guy, obviously. Um, and that guy was dominating the whole fight. Yeah. Until yeah. the last 10 seconds. Lewis was about to lose, but then, yeah, he just decided, I'm going to end the fight now. He seems to do that when he's, like, ready to be done fighting. He just finishes the fight. It's yeah. Funny. It's cartoonish. Man, yeah. So I think either way, like, if it's Derek Lewis versus Naganu for the title or Cyril Gane, either way, I think that's going to be a fantastic fight for the heavyweight belt. Yeah, and it was supposed to be Amanda Nunes versus Juliana Pena for the for the uh, 135 belt. I mean, we we know Amanda was going to win that, but mm -hmm. Amanda got COVID, so she's she's going to have to postpone that um, up until I'm not sure when. But the co-headliner now is Jose Aldo and Pedro Munoz, which is just a good solid fight. That's a good one. That's a really good fight. Yeah, both of those fighters are awesome. Been around for a long time. Uh, I can't believe Jose Aldo is still fighting. He's only 34, I think. Like, seems like this guy's just been fighting for like 20 years. Like, yeah, yeah, because he's not old, and he's still pretty much been in his prime for the last few years. He's just been fighting like top level competition, and he's been hanging in there the whole time. Very rarely does he actually get dominated and finished. Right, yeah. and he's been fighting the best guys for like 10 or 15 years because he was the champion for like 10 years. Yep. And then even since Connor knocked him out, like I mean, he just he's constantly fighting the best guys. Mm -hmm. 
like top five, top ten. I don't think he's seen a fighter below that ever in like fifteen years. Like, yeah, he was awesome in the WEC. He was basically like the Anderson Silva of the WEC because there was nobody on his level back then. He was just clearing the division and with like style too. I remember the double flying knee against Cub Swanson. That was a crazy. That was crazy. Um, yeah, I think he beat up Matt Brown, take his belt. But, yeah, and then the UFC, he was also dominating pretty well. Um, but, yeah, just crazy level competition all his career. And, yeah, always a Jose Aldo fan. He's he's just a good dude. Connor kind of put a bad name on, on him for a while just because of how much influence he has, which we should talk about that fight because we haven't, uh, we haven't been able to recap the Poirier-McGregor three fight that mm-hmm. that was insane but what we mostly thought about it even besides that leg break that was for sure Poirier's fight he, he's just a different fighter now than Connor is yeah and um yeah I think Poirier looked really really good I mean this guy is has just like clearly made himself the best guy in that division um you know him and and Charles Oliveira like I don't really think anybody can say anybody's ahead of Poirier at this point. He's just beating everybody, Gaethje, Eddie Alvarez, and and uh, definitively, like he's finishing everybody. Uh, mm-hmm. He's a good guy, a great character. You know, he's giving, like the things that he's doing with his money are fascinating. Like him and Khabib seem to have that in the common. Like, you know, they're doing things for the kids in their community and just, you know, like really good role models for people who made it up to that status because, you know, as we can see, some guys go the opposite route. Like Connor has just gone down this weird, kind of nasty path, and it's almost just like he just keeps getting worse. And it and it does suck to see because, like, I, I really love the old Connor. Like, it's very inspiring to watch the old Connor when he first got to the UFC. He's working his way up the chain. It was just it, honestly, it looks like a completely different human being. Like, if you look at the Connor now and then the old Connor, like, it looks like two different guys. And this new Connor is just like, I don't know, it, there's nothing really um, motivating or, or cool about what he's been doing, just the nasty remarks to Poirier's wife. And, um, you know, it's a shame because he, he used to be a great fighter. And, um, you know, maybe, you know, maybe he can he can flip it around and, and uh, you know, tr- fix whatever he's doing now. But it is a shame to see. And, and I don't think... Even if he made it out of that round, I think Poirier was going to finish him either way. Yeah, he had a different focus when he was up and coming because it was obvious what his goal was. He wanted to be UFC featherweight champion, and then he wanted to be double champion. But after the double champion thing, I feel like he just got... um, uh, he he just got an ego. He got a big head, which is fine. That's sort of what got him there. But I feel like he had it under control because he had a goal. And then it turned into, like, well, I'm the best. I'm No one can beat me. I'm going to fight Floyd Mayweather. I'm going to be double champion. I'm going to be doing this, this, and that. And while all these other fighters have had that same hungry mentality this whole time, Poirier has been focused on fighting and becoming the best fighter that he can be. He's really only lost to, like, ridiculously amazing fighters. And it, I think, I don't even consider the first Conor loss, like, a loss just because of how much he avenged that fight. Yeah. <clears throat> and, yeah, just the way he came back after that loss, you know, just 
Man, in my eyes, Poirier is like just one of the best MMA fighters of all time, regardless of weight class or, or whatever, you know, like the only guy he's lost to in the last however many years is Khabib. And yeah, just uh, and, and it doesn't seem like Poirier is slowing down. It, it seems like he's continuing to grow each fight. Like, you know, you, we see him training hard. You know, it's easy for these guys to get to that top level and then just kind of coast or, or lay off. But Poirier, he's just been constantly getting better and better. And that Charles Oliveira fight, like, I honestly don't know which way that's going to go. But, you know, I, it would not surprise me at all if Poirier just came out there and knocked him out. Like, I would not even be surprised. Yeah, because as far as striking goes, I think... Um I think Poirier has the heavier hands. I think so. Um, I, as far as technique, um, it's debatable. Por, um, Poirier has great boxing. He, obviously, he has great kicks. That's how he was able to destroy Connor in the second fight. Um, well, and even technically in the third fight, but not really. Um, and then Oliveira has a good Muay Thai style. And his he's got great striking. I mean, he finished he finished Chandler with his striking. It yep. wasn't a submission, which everyone assumed it was going to be. So I mean, th that as far as striking goes, it's debatable. It's very very even. But maybe Poirier has the advantage because of how much power he has, how much experience he has. I think the jujitsu is possibly fairly equal. Um, if one was more known for his jujitsu submissions and finishes, it was it would definitely be Oliveira. Yeah, I think uh, Charles Oliveira holds the record for most submissions in UFC history. Yeah, just overall, <clears throat> not just weight division, just of one, all time, yeah, all time. Yeah, so I think probably in the jujitsu, Charles Oliveira might have a slight edge. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, yeah, that guy's nasty, man. If you look at his record, like I think he's got like 15 or 16 submissions. Like that's insane. All inside of the UFC too. Yeah, because he's been fighting since very, very young, and, and he's only 30 years old. Yeah, that's wild. He was kind of like not on the status of Sean O'Malley, um, but he was pushed at a really early age just because of how great he was looking right away. Mm -hmm. And he did experience some like some nasty dudes that were able to be him that he just wasn't ready for them but he's just been pushing gets beat by somebody amazing gets gets brought back a little bit and then he has to keep pushing a little more to the point that he's champion now and he looks very very dominant but yeah he's been fighting a lot of solid fighters for a long time they, they threw him in there right away yep yeah i think he was in the ufc when he was like 20 years old or 19 or 20 yeah 19 or 20 and uh, yeah, that that that's just what MMA is all about, you know. Is uh, you know, regardless of win lose, you know, it it it's just all about you know testing yourself, learning, uh, pushing yourself, uh, constantly growing, you know, win or lose, coming back, seeing what you need to improve on, uh, getting back into the gym, and, and then just continue to move forward. And so to see somebody with that mentality and just um, just you know taking these losses and then just continue to fight and come back and work his way up there is uh, you know it's outstanding. Yeah, and I'm sure people know we don't have to repeat it, but Connor broke his leg. It was not, it wasn't uh, the way Connor wanted it made clear was that it was a doctor stoppage, that it wasn't a knockout, that it was a TKO. He was really bitter afterwards, but man, that's kind of crazy that while his leg is literally broken, like physically broken right there, he's like m more like irritated that that he lost to Pori. He's just so salty that he's not even really concerned about his broken leg. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was pretty impressive because 
I mean, he Connor is definitely a competitor, you know, like with yeah, like you said, with a snapped leg, you know, like most guys would just probably be laying there in agony or mm -hmm. freaking out, and he didn't even care. Honestly, he he's trying to build up for the next fight. Like this guy is just he hands down, he's a he's a competitor at heart. He does not like to lose. He 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 puts in a lot of effort, and uh, you know that's why it's a shame to see him, you know, saying these nasty remarks, and because those really aren't needed, you know, like you know, I'm sure we could have. Dana will probably set up a fourth fight regardless of him, you know, talking shit or especially in that form, you know, and I think even like at the press conference for this third fight we saw like Connor was trying to you know, like bring back his shit talk like he used to, and it just was not the same. It, it didn't have the same effect. It was almost kind of like lame, and uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure of what's going on with him, but that, uh, yeah, I think he should just really focus on just, you know, just uh, bring back the fighter that we all used to love, you know, get back in the gym, get a win, and uh, yeah, just focus on fighting, and, and you know, it, it doesn't really do anybody any good to, to say negative remarks about anybody, their team, their family, and uh, it really just makes him look bad at the end of the day. So yeah, it makes him look really bitter. But yeah, um, he kind of gets whatever he wants. So I could see a fourth fight happening. Honestly, if he was gonna lose, this was like his best bet that it wasn't a finish. You didn't knock me out. He could still get one more fight. But he, he you don't see too many people like him where they want to avenge every single loss, I guess. Stipe is another one, and his only argument is that he's the the longest reigning heavyweight champion of all time. But, I mean, that that is a, that is a great uh, feature. That is a great skill record, but it's really not as impressive it is but I, I don't think you just write you necessarily need a title shot right away a rematch i guess i feel like it has to be close or just having that then someone that has been champion for a while deserves a title shot right away if they get knocked out every single time or whatever but mm -hmm. um I, I i have nothing against stipe i i would go either way that if he gets a title shot whatever he deserves it if he doesn't i mean there's a lot of people that are up and coming that want to fight uh, it's it is pretty weird that this whole Nganu thing there's an interim title fight because he seems able I don't really know all the details about it but he just became champion and right away they're having an interim title fight which is crazy but whatever I guess if it keeps him moving yeah and um yeah it, like you said I think it's one thing like if you're the champion and then you get knocked out like if uh Stipe and Nagano just fought one time and Stipe got knocked out I guess like the only thing like the thing that Stipe is saying is like because now they're one and one like Stipe beat Nagano and then Nagano beat him so they're one and one you know he he wants the tiebreaker like the same way and Stipe did you know he, D, he, DC beat him he beat DC and then he gave DC that third opportunity. So I think he's really just kind of bringing that up and saying like, hey man, look, I gave DC the third fight. You know, I put my belt on the line to give him his last shot. I was the longest heavyweight champion. I think I deserve the tiebreaker between me and him. And, you know, it, it's tough to say because Nagano looks so good in that fight and, you know, he's a lot younger, but, um, you know, I think eventually the, they should probably give Stipe that rematch. I don't know if it should be first or not, but I think eventually they owe it to him to give him that rematch. Also, I saw something uh, just posted recently that Stipe and John Jones are in the works for a fight. That would be that would be great, I think, because then we would have the interim match of Gane and Lewis, and then if Stipe and Jones fought, 
and Stipe wins, then for sure you have to give him that title shot again if he comes in and beats John Jones. So I think that that would be a great fight. And then on the same, you know, if John Jones beats Stipe, obviously John Jones has never been beat before, and you know he's got a lot of hype around his name. So that'd be a sick fight. I would like to see that one. Yeah, like I said, I'm okay with uh, however it goes. If Stipe gets a title shot again, cool. If not, I like that if they can keep it moving. There's plenty of talent to keep all the divisions moving. But um, John Jones getting a warm-up fight before he gets a title shot, I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. Also, um, I feel the same way. If you give him a title shot right away, it's John Jones. As much as I disagree with most of his ways as far as his abilities, what he's been able to do. That dude's a stud, so that's that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I guess we'll see. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't know. Like, it's just uh, yeah, he's John Jones, you know. So everybody just thinks he should just come in and get this title shot. But um, it's been a long time since he fought. I would like to see him just come in there and and just beat somebody who's not the champion first, and then you know prove like, hey, I'm a heavyweight fighter now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm ready for the belt. I would like to see that. I think. Yeah, it'd be different if he was going for champ champ thing, but he he's not the light heavyweight champion, and he would automatically get a title shot. Like I said, it's John Jones, so whatever. I, I'd like to see it, but also it it is very fair if they do give him a warm up fight, and everybody's been wanting him and Stipe for a long time. It's better late than never if it does happen. And if Stipe's looking for some money, that's probably a money fight for sure, regardless if it's for the belt or not. For sure, I think anybody who fights Jones is it's going to be a good money fight. Um, yeah, it does seem, uh, it's kind of sh- interesting how the UFC decides to bring the interim belts in there. It almost seems like they just, whenever they feel like it, they'll just be like, all right, here, we'll make an interim belt for this uh, weight class. Or it doesn't really seem to have any, like, rhyme or reason to the interim belts. Yeah. You know, because we see a lot of divisions or weight classes, they never have an interim belt or, you know, you never hear anything about it. But then just randomly one day, it could just be like, all right, we're doing an intern belt at this weight class. Like, It's almost like a flex move. I haven't seen it in a while, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's usually, it seems like contract issues or something. Like, all right, we need you to fight this guy this time. Like, no, I'm not ready. I'm not going to do that. All mm-hmm. right, interim champion. Time. And it definitely, like, holds power because they, they will mark you down as a champion from then on. Like, mm-hmm. it, it will say, I see, you know, but then still technically forever you're considered a champion so it is pretty cool you know you're not the undisputed but you know like at the same time like right now people look at Poirier Tony Ferguson like these guys who got the interim belt but not the actual belt you know they're still like technically considered champions so yeah it's pretty cool I guess you know Oliveira is a real champion because Habib relinquished it yes yeah he's an actual real champion but yeah it is kind of weird and a lot of them like Gaethje he didn't like that he was interim he he didn't want to oppose oh yeah I forgot he was interim champion too yeah so yeah, a lot. Some of the dudes aren't cool with it. Some of them kind of like they like to flex with it. They like to say like they're champion. But yeah, I still consider like undisputed the main champion. If if you want to just sell a fight with a with a interim title fight just to make it a pay per view, that's cool, I guess. As long as it's a good fight card, but don't just kind of abuse them. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of like the BMF belt. Yeah. That, that was fun. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm okay with that. That was weird, but totally okay with that just because I'm sh- I'm sure they both got paid, and that was such a huge monumental event. I yeah. Mean, possibly the first event that there was ever a president, regardless of who it was. That was yep. that was huge. Madison Square Garden. I'm, I'm 
pretty sure that it was sold out. I would imagine there can't be a free seat in that house. Yeah, I think it was sold out. Yeah, and the whole fight card was awesome. I don't remember it exactly. Like, I would have to, like, look it up and recap it like that. But I, I remember the whole fight card being out of control because it was it, sick. It seemed like everybody knew, like, dude, Madison Square Garden, the, the president is right there. We got to show up. Let's fight. And Nate threw down. Nate, if it wasn't for the doctor and referees, I think Nate would fight as long as you had him fight. Like, let's fight all day. Oh, yeah. Bring, get it going again tomorrow. Finish it. Yeah, cut, broken arm, whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't think Nate Diaz is gonna quit regardless. Yeah, I think you said. If, I think you said if there wasn't a timer, Nate Diaz wins every single fight. Yeah, and he said, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy after that Leon fight how he's just like, uh, yeah, he's just still talked about. He's like Leon won four rounds and then Diaz won that last round and like he's just the man. Like people just love watching him fight. You know, the the UFC loves him. I'm sure he could, you know, now he's talking about fighting Kamaru Usman. Like, how crazy would that be if Nate Diaz got to fight Kamaru Usman, especially after he, like, lost that fight to Leon? But I think it's a real possibility just because of how popular he is, his style of fighting, his heart. Um, you know, like, it's like amongst, like, a, a group of savages, like, Nate Diaz sticks out, you know. just a, He's just such a rare, special kind of guy where... You know, just not many guys who can just, who live and breathe fighting like this guy does. It's not just like a, a hobby for him or like his job or a sport. Like this is like his life, you know, regardless if he's fighting in the UFC or not. This dude is a fighter in the streets, wherever it is, you know. Speaking of Kamaru, the rematch with him and Colby Covington is scheduled. Um, I think that one's looking to be booked in Madison Square Garden because it's lining up around the same time. And I think the co-main is going to be Justin Gaethje Chandler. So that card, woo, man, that, that's looking nasty already. Take my money already just with those two fights. Whatever you want to fill <clears> it with, <throat> I'm sure it's going to be amazing, but it doesn't even <clears throat> matter. Yeah, and man, that's a, like, you know, the people are already talking about Kamara being, like, the best welterweight, or it, it's dispute, disputable between you know, him, GSP, and whoever, but... You know, you come in here and you beat Covington again. Each fight, Kamara is getting better, looking more dominant. And if he puts Covington away again, like, god damn, that's going to be extremely impressive. If he does it early, I think that's a big statement. Yes. If it goes the distance again, it's going to be hard to, like, put an end to it. But mm -hmm. if he has a early, early stoppage, whatever it is, if he can just shut him up, that's really his best bet. He And... I'm sure he has to do that, but also he's really smart. He can he can do it in many different ways. But uh, I mean, like or you, a lot of people I know, most people hate Colby, but like it or like him or love him, he's he's a fighter. That dude can fight. Yeah, definitely, he's a great fighter. Um, you know, he kind of plays a WWE attitude. I don't even think he's really like that in real life, but. You know, I guess sometimes these, you know, you, to make a name for yourself, if people just aren't into you, like the Nate Diaz, like if you just don't have that it factor, like we see a lot of the fighters, they feel like they have to do something to get their name out there, like Henry Cejudo or, you know, because nobody really even cared about Henry until he started doing the whole cringe thing. And the next thing you knew, he's on all these headlines, people are talking about him. So whether it's silly or not, I mean, it, it blows their name up, it gets them more spotlight. And, um, you know, I guess if that's what you got to do to, to get more money and get your name out there, I guess, you know, it's a smart move. 
Yeah, I like fighters that <clears throat> are just willing to fight, especially champions <clears throat> that are willing to fight anybody. They don't they don't try and hold out for money, big fights, <clears throat> nothing like that. Kamaru is one of those. Stylebender is a great example of it because he wasn't only necessarily fighting the number one every single time because eventually he he already had wiped out most of the division as far as like the top the top fighters. So instead of him waiting around for a different fighter to become number one contender, he would just pick out, okay, so you think Yoel's the most dangerous? I'm going to fight him then. Oh, you think Paulo Costa with his big muscles is the most dangerous? He's the one to beat me? I'm going to fight him then. Yep, and uh, yeah, amazing uh, is he just how he does that. And yeah, I mean, you know, who wants to fight Yoel Romero? Like, and that was the first dude he chose to. He chose to fight Yoel Romero for his first defense. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it, it's just it's just crazy how each fighter is different. And um, yeah, like you said, I agree. I like seeing the fighters who are willing to fight anybody, like whoever the fans or whoever thinks that they should fight next. I like those guys who are like, all right, you know, if that's who you guys want next, then that's who I'm fighting next. Yeah, like we brought up the Sean O'Malley fight that he had. The guy, um, what was his name? I forgot. Uh, Chris Mutino. Yeah, Chris Mutino. That was a great fight. And um, Chris Mutino was looking awesome. He was as far as like heart and being able to withstand damage. But it, it also looked really bad and looked amazing for Sean, which credit to Sean. That was that was awesome because it takes, it takes real ability to be able to throw all those things for that long land them. Um, so I mean it is all skill but also Chris being such such a badass he was making Sean look amazing because everything was landing everything yeah and that kid showed extreme heart like I, I definitely became a fan of that guy after that fight because that was you know his first UFC fight uh, he stepped up on short notice fought you know somebody who's got a lot of hype behind him <clears throat> and uh Sean O'Malley um, but yeah you know he showed a lot of heart and that's one thing with fighters that you can't you can't teach you can't build it's you know you either you have the heart or you don't have it you know you can always work on your skill set and get better at the wrestling and the striking but that kid displayed like a true true heart of a fighter and you know I don't think I think he's he's gonna have a good career I believe you know I think he's he works hard um, he's very serious about it. You could tell just by listening to him talk. So I'm excited to see him come back, you know, fight somebody else um, and, and just see see how he goes from there and just see how this guy rolls out. Yeah, that's the first time I've been really upset with Herb Dean because that dude was taking a beating the whole Man, fight. You yeah, just that, let him have it. He was really not in danger of getting finished at the end of the fight, and Herb Dean decided to stop it <clears throat> with 10 seconds left after the very same similar beating had been going on the whole time. And the, the dude was fine. It was really not like a like a finishing like highlight reel that Sean was doing. He was just landing as he was the whole fight. And I, I get it why Herb Dean would stop it, but right then, 10 seconds left, the dude had already been taken at the whole fight. He deserved to go out, and he wasn't going to go out. He deserved to finish the fight by not getting finished. Yeah, and like you said, that's kind of what the whole fight looked like. Like He was getting tagged the whole entire time. Uh, looked bad, but but Chris was throwing back like right before uh, Herb Dean like stepped in. He had thrown a couple punches. Like he was, and the thing was was he was the one pressuring. He was walking down Sean O'Malley. Mm -hmm. So it's not like Sean O'Malley was like walking him down, hitting him up against the cage. Like this kid was moving forward from round one to round three, 
like walking Sean O'Malley down, did not care that he was getting tagged. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, you could see Sean getting tired. You know, he was just, when somebody's putting that pressure on you, of course, you know, Sean was landing the shots, but, um, you know, that kid, just crazy heart, man. And, and to be able to take that many shots and continue to walk forward and, and still have that look in your eye, like I'm coming for your head, you know, that's very impressive. Yeah, like imagine if Kelvin Cater wouldn't have had that the Max Holloway fight. Like Max Holloway just finished him the whole time, beat him up, and it went the whole decision. So if like that whole fight was go happening and then 10 seconds left, nope, you lost. Like, no, TKO. Yeah, yeah, TKO. So, yeah, I think Herb Dean definitely owed it to that kid. You know, if he watched that go on for three rounds, 28 more seconds you know you got to let that that guy go out on a shield you have to like yeah and you're right he was moving forward he was throwing punches and that's when it got called not like covering up not like turtling up not he never got uh, knocked down no. nothing mm -mm. like yeah, that dude, his his stock grew even after that loss. Chris Mutino's stock, that it's going to grow for sure after that. I mean, it already grew after that fight, but... I think it, he went from like uh, 2,000 Instagram followers to like almost 200K now. Yeah. Just yeah. off that one fight. Yeah, it was... I think they got fight of the night, possibly. Yep, 75K each, too, I oh, think. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he bumped it up that night. You're right. Um, but yeah, I just think like, um, like what, like when a fighter shows that much heart and like, you know, they go through the adversity and then they can continue to fight and just, and continue to push forward. Like, I think that's just one aspect that everybody loves to see, you know, just like that true fighter mentality that no matter, you know, even if you're getting beat or you're losing, like that's what fighting's all about is like continue to push forward. Like how much can I get through and continue to fight and, and try to win, you know, and he showed incredible heart. And I think that's what everybody saw. And I think that's why he's getting a lot of fans because just when you display, you know, that you have that heart, you have the ability to fight, like you're a true fighter. Like I think just people love to see that. Yeah, there's been a lot of great fights just overall lately. Um, we can like bring up T.J. Dillashaw, Corey Sandhagen. That was that was a great fight, and I I think we both think that Sandhagen won, but mm -hmm. still, in a way. TJ won because he was able to overcome that damage that he has to get surgery on now. He fought a legit up-and-comer. He was able to implement his game plan even when he was mostly losing the whole time. I mean, he had a lot of great moments, a lot. It was it was even. He, I, I still believe that Corey Sanhagen won. Um, I, I, I'm cool with either way. If people think TJ won, I think I had mentioned to you that if anything won, it was TJ's experience, like having that much experience against high-level opponents. I, I think those little details maybe were shining through, and that gave him the victory. But damage-wise, Sandhagen definitely won. I mean, I don't know how TJ was able to continue after that heel hook because he needs some serious surgery now. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> yeah, I think that's just one of those fights where really no guy lost. You know, it's mm -hmm. I, I do I th I think that Corey Sanhagen did enough to win on the scorecards or whatever. But yeah, I mean, incredible heart shown by TJ. Like he got his eye split open. He got his his knee ripped with that heel hook in the first or second round, and continued to fight. Like and really like that. That's incredible. You know to. The blood was pouring into his eyes. I, he could probably only see out of one eye. He's got a busted knee. And in the meanwhile, he's fighting 
you know, Corey Sanhagen, one of the best guys in that division, and finished the fight. And, uh, yeah, that's just crazy. Yeah, it shows his experience, um, his heart. Just uh, both guys, I think, are, you know, either one of those guys could fight for the title. And even though he lost a decision, you know, I think Corey, he won, you know, like, both of those guys won that fight. Sometimes I don't know the ju and the judges in MMA are so weird. You know, it's like it's it's almost like every single weekend we're talking about a bad call or this guy won, but the judges went here. It's like it seems like the judges in MMA are just it, it's really difficult. You know, and I'm sure it's extremely hard to be a judge because there's so many things going on in the sport. You know, you got striking, grappling, cage control. There's just so many factors, and. You know, apparently everybody kind of sees different aspects of the fight in different ways. Yeah, um, I think maybe maybe I misheard, but something about the fight card that you were on, I think the commentator said that all of the judges were former mixed martial artists or something like that. Uh, maybe maybe I heard, uh, heard it differently or something, but I thought that that's what the commentator said, which a lot of fighters advocate for that, that they want real mixed martial artists, real uh, previous fighters, which uh, the idea, like we brought it up before, someone like GSP and people yes. with a solid, not unbiased opinion where they, they know the art, they've done it before, they know what it feels like to just wrestle someone and win that way compared to like being able to do more damage, whatever, but I feel like that is the best position for some retired fighters because some of these guys, they want to keep being part of it, but they, they don't necessarily want to keep taking damage or whatever, like Paul Felder. Now, I mean, he's been doing commentating for a while, but now he has a full-time job just commentating. He doesn't have to worry about coming home to his family with all the damage and everything that it takes to be at the level that he was at. Right. Yeah, I think it's a good outlet for a lot of the retired fighters to either be a commentator or, yeah, referee, a judge. And, yeah, I think it, I mean, I think it's only fair that we need uh, previous MMA fighters to be the judges because who else, you know, better understands the sport than somebody who's who's done it for however long, you know, and seems to be like the only sport where it's like, <clears throat> you know, mixed martial arts is its own thing. You know, it's not boxing. It's not wrestling. It's not jujitsu. Like we don't we don't need uh, a judge from just like one of these aspects. We need a judge from all of them. You know, so it's like I don't think we see like boxing judges as like okay, the judge tonight for the Mike Tyson fight is a jujitsu guy. It's like, well, like why do we have a jujitsu guy uh, judging a boxing fight? You know, but we see it in MMA and it's very strange. So. You know, and, and it's like, it's crazy because it seems like it, it's a constant thing, like every single weekend for however many years now, but nothing really seems to be like changing with it. Yeah. It's almost just like everybody's just kind of accepted that like the judges and MMA are just like kind of shitty. You just never know with them, you know? Yeah, just because it's sanctioned and it's already like set up, there's not much that can be done about it because you would have to be able to change the whole system or whatever. But um, at least we're getting some people in the door. I know like Frank Trigg, he used to be a UFC fighter. He fought Matt Hughes. He's a ref every now and then. Um, I don't see him too often in the UFC refing, but 
Um, he has gotten jobs in the UFC being the referee, so depending on the event, you might get to see him as a, as a referee. And also Herb Dean, normally he's awesome. That's Like I said, that's the one time that I'm sure there's been other times where it's been not the best decision, but that time I was actually like salty. I, I got up, I was yelling like some football bro or something, just like, come on, Herb Dean, come that was that was crap but yeah he actually trains so he does mma training so he he actually knows about all the positions and all that so it's cool that people like him and possibly big john mccarthy i think he's also uh, i i, I want to say that he's training but beltran i think he's he's training yep like i know that herb dean had a few like amateur mma fights right, when yeah. he was young like you can actually like go on youtube and watch herb dean fight if yeah. anybody didn't know that it's pretty cool he's got like his dreads in the cage. I think I've watched one of them before, but yeah. So someone like him being able to be a referee that makes sense. Why is he, why he's so good? And he he has stopped some really dangerous mm -hmm. positions. He's made great calls. That time I just felt bad for the kid. He was doing so good, hanging in there, absorbing everything. Obviously losing, but still I feel like just he give him those last few seconds. He deserved it. Yeah, I just think like whether it's a judge or a referee or whatever, like I think it just really needs to be somebody who has like true passion for the sport, you know, like, yeah. um, like we were talking about the other day, but I think like you would be a good referee, even though you haven't fought before, just because like you've been following the sport for so long, like you, you truly have like a passion just for enjoying it and watching it, studying it. And, um, you know, it's different than somebody who just watches it occasionally or here and there. It's like, we need people who are passionate about about it they love it you know this is what they enjoy like we need we need those kind of people not just like somebody looking for a job and like hey man i'll pay you 25 an hour to come in here and like you know it, it's a crazy sport there's a lot on the line it's extremely dangerous the the fighters careers are on the line so we really need the best uh refs we need the best judges and um yeah I, that's my opinion on that i'd love a position like that being judge or ref i i would love to contribute to something like that but um also to bring up events um uh, there's a sub spectrum event happening this saturday uh not so not this saturday, not this saturday. uh next saturday okay August 14th, uh, yep, Subspectrum here in Des Moines, Iowa, uh, one of the biggest rising uh, jiu-jitsu tournaments in the Midwest, uh, really impressed with the way it's growing, Jordan's doing a great job, so it'll be gi and no gi divisions um, in the daytime for all weights, all ages, masters, whatever, and then in the evening they're doing the pro show, doing a some form of like tournament, I think it's like an eight-man uh, absolute no-gi tournament for the men and then same thing for the women and then with like a thousand dollar cash prize for the winner of each bracket um, and then yeah so it, it should be a great event they, they upped the auditorium they're in a bigger auditorium now like it looks insane it looks like a lot of people can fit in there uh, so that should be a good time I think they'll be streaming that so whether you know you check out the event in person next Saturday or uh, watch the stream I think it's definitely one that if you're interested in the sport you should check out and you weren't able to compete at that because you already had your MMA fight scheduled yeah so I mean and also, like, I think I'm helping with some of the live stream footage. Oh, that's right, yes. So I'll be doing, uh, like, some of the live stream footage for the day tournament. Um, 
you know, but if I wasn't doing that, I was considering maybe entering that Nogi Absolute tournament. But uh, I do, I do enjoy helping out with the videos. Um, I love helping out that promotion. Just you know, I love jujitsu, and uh, you know, it feels good to be helping the community out and and doing whatever I can to help those guys grow. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that that's also a great growing up and coming. I mean, it's not. I don't want to call it up and coming, but as far as like big. Um, it's, it's it's definitely up and coming. It's growing. I think it has a lot of potential. The same way these two organizations, the Fight Nights and then Subspectrum, yeah, there there's so much room to grow. It could easily become a like a like a hot spot for like the next evolution of the Bellator fighters, MMA or UFC fighters, or uh, Abu Dhabi mm -hmm. champions or whatever. Yeah, and like at this subspectrum, uh, like actually Pat Downey, uh, the wrestler, he's like a wrestling star, uh, very well known in the wrestling world. He's competing, so he's entering this jujitsu tournament. Pat Downey, um, yeah. So we we got there's some high level competitors coming in, and uh, yeah, Austin Baker, and we see a lot of the high level wrestlers transitioning over to jujitsu. So it's getting interesting. The sport's just constantly growing, and uh, yeah, it, it's awesome to see. Any other fights or anything you want to talk about um, for your fight that you had? Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, I just want to give a shout out to my teammate Dana. Uh, she trains with us in Ankeny at Elite Edge, and she did fantastic. Uh, this was her second fight. She ended up getting a TKO win in the second round, and uh, very impressed. Like the girl that she fought was a lot bigger than her. Like she was at least a few inches taller than Dana. Dana's like a little bit shorter, but Dana was not intimidated at all. Um, you know, from the the first bell ring, she was moving forward and pretty much just broke the girl you know she took her down and just uh was was unloading and the referee just stepped in so and dana works hard she's been in the gym working for a long time and it's cool to see uh her growing and and her come up and uh keep keep at it because yeah you, sh you showed a lot of heart a lot of good skills and um you know i think you're you're really good for that weight division so so shout out to dana i wish mark would have also fought on that fight love watching him fight yeah, and uh, yeah, I think me and Mark are looking to fight on uh, either the next North Iowa fight card or like the next one they bring to the arena in Mason City. We love that arena, so we're I think we're gonna try and get on that card together. Um, but yeah, just shout out to um, to all my teammates, coaches. Uh, I want to give a shout out to you, uh, my family, uh, brothers, Philip, Francis. Uh, I appreciate you guys like covering the jobs while I was training all the time. Uh, you know, I was missing a lot of days just trying to make the gym, and uh, this is like our crazy month at work. So, yeah, I appreciate you guys uh, just covering the hours and uh, working all those jobs so that way I could make practice and prepare for the fight. And, uh, yeah, just all my teammates. And, uh, you know, we lost the decision, but I feel like we won the fight, and we're on to the next one. Yeah, and as we always say, you either win or you learn, and that fight had everything to learn a lot from. Um, great performance, showed a lot of heart, showed a lot of dedication. It takes it takes a lot of heart to be able to even compete MMA, to like give up that much of your time, that much of your health, that like your body can get hurt. You know the consequences when you do it, and to dedicate as much time as you do preparing for the fight. 
Um, you never once were in a position where it looked like you were giving up. You had plenty of fight in you the whole time, always looking to actually fight, to finish, to find a submission, to keep going. Um, I, I think everything about that fight was definitely a win. If you want to call the decision a loss, whatever, but that's not really how how like you've like thought with jujitsu. You don't really think well, lost that fight, it's an L on the record. Like, right. all right, let's learn from that. And that was definitely, I mean, to be credited with fight of the night, that's also, like, a, a, such a huge, great, like, compliment that they gave you that. Like, you were on the the losing end of the decision, but you did so great that you were on the winning end of a fight of the night. Yep, and, uh, yeah, just, yeah, felt great to get that award. And, uh, yeah, like you said, you know, you win or you learn, and, you know, I, I know exactly what I need to work on now in the gym, and I'm 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 back in there this week already, and uh, I can let you guys know next fight, uh, you'll definitely see some improvement. So, I'm excited to get back in there, work. Uh, I have a few specific things in mind that I'm going to be working on, and I think next time I step in there, uh, you guys will see uh, much improved and uh, a few different aspects of my game that you haven't seen yet. So. Yeah, for being the second fight, that that was like, e even though the guy was zero zero, the the what he was able to do right away, that that was like pretty tough fight for a second one because that dude definitely had power, he had wrestling, but as far as the ground, you had a clear advantage and the the win was easily there if you just had a little more time if you if you could have got the position a little earlier or whatever but as far as ground there's an easy decision right there and the striking the striking was looking good like i said your defense was looking great that was the, that that fight obviously could have gone as a w but as far as how it was it couldn't have gone any better really yeah absolutely and yeah it felt good to to really test my stand up skills for a round or two against a stand-up guy you know because you know i obviously i'm uh jujitsu is my strongest aspect of my fighting game but um, i've been working a long time and hard on my striking and so it feels good to know that my striking is coming up there and uh, there's just a, still a few more things i need to polish out but um soon very soon you'll see uh that i can strike as well as i can do my jujitsu so i'm excited to bring that to light and uh, just keep going keep learning keep growing and that's what the sport is all about you know just continue to learn uh just evolve as a person do better and uh yeah maybe maybe we'll get to run that one back mike uh, mentioned he might uh, want us to rematch so you know if we get to see that rematch i think it's going to be very exciting um so I guess, you know, I guess we'll just have to wait. Time will tell. Yeah, and as we saw with the Ryan Hall fight, you can't just rely strictly only on jiu-jitsu all the time because sometimes... And that's exactly why I'm learning striking because you absolutely cannot, like, step into that cage with just one one aspect of fighting. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't just step in there and be a jiu-jitsu guy. Uh, you can't just step in there and just be a boxer. Um, you know, this is mixed martial arts. And, uh, yeah, if you step in there with just one aspect of fighting, you'll probably very soon figure out that, uh, you know, there's a lot more to the game than just any one of those aspects. And, yeah, that Ryan Hall fight was a great example because clearly he, uh, you know, I'm not sure if he hasn't just been working on his striking or what, but, yeah, it was very clear that he really only had one way to win, and the other guy knew it, and uh, he showed, you know, what, what that looks like, so... Yeah, that's why. That's another reason why I think that fight was such a such a, a win for you. That 
You didn't. You never once looked like you were relying on your jujitsu. That was one of your weapons to be able to finish the fight with. It wasn't like you were holding on, trying to not get finished. That's why I think that was such a great fight. That your jujitsu wasn't what you were desperate to use to win the fight. That that's that was your. Obviously, if you had, like I said, more time, that fight was yours because of jujitsu. But you weren't just laying on your back looking to like get out of it. Only rely on it like those Eminem whatever those roles were that Ryan Hall was doing because it was clear that he only had one thing to offer. He was not showing anything else. Yep. You were striking, your defense looked good, leg kicks, all that stuff. It was a very complete fight. So once again, it was great that you got rewarded that because it, there was plenty of victories there, but that, that award is always really meaningful to a lot of fighters that win or lose, you know that you went out there to fight and whether you got the decision or not, everyone noticed that you were there to fight and you deserved that. It was awesome. Thank you. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, like I said, just appreciate everybody supporting me and uh, thank you guys for all the help, everybody. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a great fight, great fight card. And um, yeah, I guess uh, if you guys have any questions, comments or anything like that, of course, uh, drop them down below. Uh, we appreciate you guys checking out the video. Uh, I think either, I'm gonna have to double check, but I think this weekend we might finally uh, be having uh, Peter Ransford James here on the podcast for the redo. Um, we had a. We got to run it back. Yep, we're running that one back 100%. Uh, Peter's back in Ames. He just got back from the Bahamas. So I think we're going to play it on Sunday. I'll let you guys know for sure. Um, but either this weekend or sometime in the next week or two, we'll have Peter on here. It's going to be a very exciting episode. Uh, he told me a couple stories from the Bahamas when he was just down there. So he'll be telling us some of those. And uh, that one's going to be exciting. So stay tuned for that. Yep. Otherwise, please don't be a cash. Do not be a cash. Peace. Peace. We're out.